Welcome, everyone, to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeMay, and the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks as well. And the reason Alzheimer's Speaks even came to be was due to the fact that my mother lived with dementia symptoms for 30 years. And as a daughter, I was just so greatly disappointed at um, in being able to find resources and so I thought there's got to be a way to change that and so we started with the blog and the website and now have the radio show I also do something called dementia chats where I interview the true experts those diagnosed which is a video um, a video conference that you can also um, watch that is free so we have all kinds of um, resources and our goal here again is just to lift everybody's voices up we are an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We're also known as a, um, a media platform, and then I do a lot of speaking and training around the country as well. We love joining forces with a variety of people uh, to help people continue to live purpose-filled lives no matter what's in front of them. And um, today we are going to be talking with Christina Britton Conroy, who has written a really fun book called How to Have Fun with Your Aging Parents. And um, today, uh, through her journey, um, I think we are going to get a lot of wonderful information that will help us all uh, just live more gracefully. As I say, whatever is good for dementia is good for the rest of the world. Um, Alzheimer's Speaks at its core also believes that collaboration is the only way that we're going to win the battle against dementia. And I can honestly say that I know it's working thanks to each and every one of you. You see, you have raised our profile so much by pushing out all of these wonderful voices of dementia. Um, you got us named the number one influencer online uh, for Alzheimer's according to Share Karen Dr. Oz. Maria Shriver has recognized us as one of her architects of change for humanity. And um, just recently in the Oprah magazine uh, this month, we were featured as a health hero. And again, that is not a recognition that goes strictly to us. We share that with all of you because we do believe this is a team effort. And every time you push out I don't care if it's an article, if it's a radio show, if it's a video chat, if it's something off our YouTube channel or Twitter, you are helping people in your sphere find valuable information. And um, as we know, it's always easier to grab hold of something when you think it's more in the norm than not. And so, you know, the more we can educate the public, the easier it's going to be for them to grab that information when needed. Um, before I go and formally introduce Christina, I do want to give a shout out to a couple of organizations that I just so highly respect. Um, for those of you that don't know the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, I would highly recommend that you go check them out. They really are into um, holistic measures uh, to live better with dementia, and they do some educational programs and training, uh, just a valuable, valuable resource. Also, the American Senior Magazine, which I absolutely adore. It's large print. It's fantastic articles. There's some games and trivia and stuff in there as well um, is, is great. And if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com, you will see where you can get a discount um, 
to subscribe to that magazine if you are if you are interested. And then, of course, I would be remiss if I wouldn't give a shout out to uh, Dave with Calendar Cards, who has put together a Memory Cafe directory. And you can just go to memorycafedirectory.com to uh, find out where all the wonderful um, cafes are in the U.S. So thank you so much for Calendar Cards. Um, which is a memory system that might also be of interest to you. Uh, let's see, last, I just need to uh, make a clarification. We just got back from our dementia-friendly cruise to the Caribbean, which was just a, a wonderful time. People really, really enjoyed it. Um, but there's a lot of misconception out there right now because our travel agent that we used was Kathy Schof with um, Elite Cruises and Vacations. And she's doing quite a few other cruises, uh, many of them being dementia friendly. And I just want to clarify that Alzheimer's Speaks um, is not involved with those. I've been, uh, people around the world have reached out to me and said how excited they were. And I just want you to know that those are not our cruises, um, nor will we be involved um, with uh, Kathy or Elite Cruises and Vacations in the future. Um, we will most likely be doing some dementia-friendly travel under either my personal name, Lori LeBay, and or Alzheimer's Speaks. Um, but we just felt that our our standard of dementia-friendly um, and and theirs was a little different, and um, needed to needed to make that clarification just so it's clear with everyone. But again, people just had a, a marvelous, marvelous time on the cruise. Um, and you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, see a collage of pictures. I still have to get many, many more up um, because again, it was so fun to meet people from all around the country and um, share knowledge and um, build new friendships. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce Christina now. Uh, Christina uh, Britton Conroy is a certified music therapist and a licensed creative arts therapist. Um, she is the founder and executive director of Music Gives Life, um, bringing musical performing into the lives of seniors. Um, she is a former senior center director, nursing home music therapist, and primary caregiver for two elderly family members. Christina has a really unique insight into the joys and frustrations shared by geriatric patients and their care partners. So welcome today. How are you doing, Christina? Hey, Lori. Thank you so much. I'm doing great, and I'm, I'm so pleased to be on your show. And thank you, personally thank you, for all the amazing work that you are doing every day. Um, I love that you said that it's, um, I forgot the exact words, but basically that it's becoming more commonplace, more whatever people are getting used to the idea of, of dementia, Alzheimer's, and it's like, to me, it's like such an ada. Uh, this is, yeah. been, you know, forever people have been dealing with this and, but still like ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what, uh, what, uh, in, in the old, old and bad olden days when we used to lock up anybody with a psychiatric disorder, um, and just hide them away. Um, yep. someone with Down syndrome because we just didn't want to see them. And if we, if we didn't see them, it would go away. Well, this ain't going away. Yep. This yep. is just, just getting more and more. And I, when I started, um, before I was a professional gerontologist, when I was just a caregiver, um, I was 27 years old when my mom died of pancreatic cancer. And she had married a man 20 years her senior. So I was 27 years old taking care of an 80-year-old father. Oh, wow. And pretty soon, I was a, a, a full-time uh, musical theater performer at the time. I was on the road 10 months a year. I wasn't even in the same city with ever for more than, you know, a week or two. Um, and um, it was, uh, it was really tough. And um, at first, like, I was like embarrassed, like to tell people, you know, oh, my dad has dementia, whatever. I mean, now, Every conversation I have on the subway with somebody new, well, I'm, you know, I, I care give, well, and actually my husband has dementia now. So I care give my husband with dementia and I do blah, 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 blah. And inevitably they come back with, oh, well, you know, I'm taking care of my whatever or my grandmother, whatever, or nobody is untouched. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and um, so 
I mean, it's so it's horrific that nobody is untouched, but fantastic that at last people are talking about it, not ashamed of it, considering it a very unhappy norm <laughs> that needs to get fixed. Yeah, exactly. It's well, and it just needs to, like you say, become, become part of everyday conversation where people can honestly speak their opinions. Um, you know, we can't move forward if we don't know the truth behind the right. disease and, and, and with the disease. Right. Right. Now with my, my work, um, I changed careers after when my, my dad died at 92. Um, and then I changed careers a few years later. I went back to school and got a master's in music therapy and then the advanced credentialing in as a creative arts therapist. And um, which was a, a very organic change since music is my passion anyway. And now I just got to use it in a different way. I, well, well, I'm a Juilliard trained musician to begin with. So um, I do have a wealth of wonderful training that I bring into every patient that I see. And it's, I'm so lucky to, to have had those wonderful teachers and mentors all those years. I my um, master's is from NYU, which has an, um, outstanding music therapy actually they have music therapy drama therapy art therapy wonderful wonderful programs um so my little book called how to have fun with your aging parents um is exactly that because my very first job when i was working in a nursing home i saw people being taken care of they were clean they were fed they were medicated they weren't having fun mm -hmm. and um very early on, anybody who trains as a creative arts therapist, we're taught to look for the strengths, look for the wellness in people, not for the sickness. Mm -hmm. And of course, the strength and the wellness is stuff that people have fun doing. Mm -hmm. So, so it was, so it was just wonderful. And um, then, after 25 years as a professional gerontologist, I totally expect that I will walk into a room of people who appear to be comatose, who appear to be you know, not speaking, not making eye contact. And I will start singing a, an old familiar song uh, with those groups. I like to use a guitar so I can walk around and actually look in everybody's face. But I'll start singing, I mean, whatever it is. Um, it's a long way to Tipperary. It's a long way to go, whatever. And they'll look up and they'll start singing with me. <laughs> it is kind and, of funny with music how somebody who might be just sleeping or hanging their head raises the head, a smile comes on, the eyes get a glint, the lips start moving, the hands and toes start tapping, and it's you, just unbelievable. You got it. Mm -hmm. And and besides that moment of being in society, um, they're also, as you say, physically moving. You can't sing without breathing deeply, so they're getting more oxygen into their brains, so their endorphins are raising. Um, they're feeling better. Uh, there's so many, you know, young people who love to sing in choirs, and they don't really know, they don't know why. Well, a lot of it is just that you get a natural high from breathing in oxygen. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, yeah. and with old folks, it's the same thing. And um, I loved in, in the nursing home when we would have um, young interns, young medical doctors, who think they know everything and whatever. And they would come in and I would say, I bet Mrs. Smith is not going to ask for her pain meds tonight because she was in a sing-along this afternoon. And of course, they'd look at me like I was insane until the next day when they would say, you know, sure enough, Mrs. Smith didn't ask for her pain meds. And it was yeah. like, well, hello. Um, she had all these, these happy endorphins going, all this natural melatonin <laughs> being released just from singing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the book because there's, you know, tons of of elder care um, specialists out there, but not everybody decides to write a book. Why did you decide to write a book and, and what makes yours different from others that are out there? Okay, well, one thing is that my book is really short, concise, and easy to read. I mean, I have a shelf, shelf of elder care books and they're wonderful, but some of them are like 500 pages and I frankly have not read them. Because mm -hmm. I've like I've started them and then I just don't have time and caregivers don't have time. 
So my chapters, and I worked so, so hard to make these chapters short, entertaining, concise, and truly helpful. Um, and um, each chapter is like three to five pages. Everything is in there. Many of them are followed by exercises and games so that you can practice what I talk about. Um, and they are all illustrated with these fabulous cartoons that my husband drew early in life before he lost his ability to draw. So that's, oh, wow. that's kind of cool, too. That's cool, too. Yeah, he has Parkinson's dementia now. And um, actually, when the book was first um, about to be published, first of all, the publisher was thrilled. She didn't have to pay an illustrator, and she got one for free. But um, he worked with an art therapist reading through the chapters and pulling old cartoons from his um, unpublished files. And, um, and the cartoons are, are just wonderful. So anyway, all these years working as a professional clinician in senior centers and nursing homes, I watched family members, uh, even social workers, and as I say, these medical professionals struggle with difficult and unhappy older folks. Now, I had this wonderful training, as I said, so I know how to play music, I know how to improvise, I know how to think outside the box. And I really wanted to help people um, with some of the great stuff that I had learned. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote this book. Okay. Well, and I, I do like it because, you, you know, you pick it up and you have uh, this elderly couple and they're just kind of leaping through the air with big smiles <laughs> yeah. on their face. And, right. <laughs> yeah. And the cartoons are exceptional. Your husband did a great, great job with these. So, how fun yeah, is that? Has, yeah. It was very, and it's so very fun because he's, as they say, he has dementia now, but he walks around carrying the book and he's so proud of it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very cool for, for us to have something to share still that we can't have a conversation, but we can sit and hold our book mm -hmm. and it's cool. Now, one of the things that you mentioned in the book is you talk about dysfunctional parents and you know, people always talk about the perfect family, and, and we're probably all dysfunctional families in reality. Can you describe what you mean by dysfunctional parent? Sure. It took me a long time <coughs> to really study different personalities, and I broke um, people into four very broad categories. Now, um, certainly, I've known a lot of older people who are still in their 90s, who are still active, who are traveling, whatever. God bless. But a lot aren't. Now, my first dysfunctional parent type I call stuck in a rut. Mm -hmm. I have had so many 50-year-old people come to me complaining, all my mom wants to do is get her hair done and watch soap operas and play bingo. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. So my question there is, well, does she, can she afford it? Well, oh yeah, easy, easy. Okay. Is she damaging anybody or herself by doing this? Well, no. So I say, so leave her alone. Mm -hmm. You know, you 50 year old son may have a problem. Your mom's doing fine. Mm -hmm. Leave her alone. Let her do what she wants. So that is actually not a dysfunctional parent. In my mind, that's a dysfunctional adult child. Mm -hmm. so this, okay. The next ones are can be dangerous. Number two is self-isolating. Now, uh, so many um, elderly people are living alone. Um, their kids have grown up and moved away. A lot of their friends have died. They have become frail and they can no longer go to work or even do the favorite sports they used to do. I mean, the, the mailman who used to carry heavy mail bags and then go bowling on the weekends and can't do either. Mm -hmm. uh, he may feel he has no reason to get up in the morning and um, clinical depression we know is huge among the elderly um, and that needs medical attention but my help my book helps caregivers find something new or something old that their loved one has forgotten that they can become engaged with and um, have a reason to get up in the morning so that's self-isolating so and my number three now is dangerously independent. Now, we all know the old lady who is, you know, 87 years old, half blind, half deaf, lives in a cluttered apartment, refuses to give away, throw away anything. The place is filthy and she refuses to have help in the house. Mm -hmm. Scary, scary stuff. Um, I went through this with my dad. Um, 
and kind of tried to clean up for him, whatever, eventually, until the day I walked in and he had melted the back of his polyester jacket by leaning against the stove. Wow. Yeah. And that I, was, I don't, yeah, go oh, ahead. I was, was going to say when you were talking about kind of the cluttered house, I used to sell real estate and there were a few homes that I sold where literally there was just a path, you know, cause people couldn't, oh, you know, yeah. couldn't get rid of anything and, and yet we're fiercely independent and, or um, tried to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these could have been younger people too. I mean, that, that cluttering, that cluttering, um, you know, illness, um, mm -hmm. psychiatric illness is not certainly not only for old people, but a younger person who can see and who can step around the clutter is, is probably going to be okay. But once they can't, um, mm -hmm. okay. So, so I have stuck in a rut, self-isolating, dangerously independent. And then number four is unreasonably demanding. Mm-hmm. Now, the poor, you know, 45-year-old mom who's got two kids in middle school, a kid in high school, and her dad, widowed dad, who she's trying to take care of, go shopping for, uh, clean his house, do his laundry, and she comes home with the wrong kind of bread, and he goes ballistic. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's unreasonable, the unreasonably demanding senior. So those four... Those are my four dysfunctional parent types. And of course they do cross over. Um, but if you can, when dealing with your own patient, if you're the clinician or a parent, if you can break it down and see that they fit into one of these, it's way clearer to see how you can help them and help yourself. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and just putting a name to it <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. can sometimes can help and make people realize they're not alone. Because sometimes people oh, look yeah. around and go, gosh, my 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 friends, folks aren't like this. Why are mine? Mine are so <laughs> different. And, and then we get kind of self isolating and thinking we're an island alone. And yet everybody's family has, has some kind of dysfunction <laughs> somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? And, and, and you're, and you're absolutely right. And we need to reach out and we need support groups and we need, um, I have a bunch of support groups, um, live and I'm on uh, Facebook support groups, which, and just reading through these pages and pages of people venting and, and crying and complaining. And uh, it, frankly, it's very comforting mm -hmm. because absolutely I'm not alone. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now you talk about, you know, the quick fix. Um, mm -hmm. And can you, can you tell people, cause everyone's looking for a quick fix mm -hmm. out there okay. all the time. Right. Well, it can be really, really easy if the aging person feels good about himself and enjoys a variety of activities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm remembering an old lady in the nursing home. She was like 93. She couldn't walk, um, but she had, was affluent. She'd had experiences. She'd traveled. She'd been to the theater. She'd read books. So anything I presented to her, she had a frame of reference and she enjoyed participating in. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, this other guy at the same nursing home, um, he was very crippled up with arthritis um, the one thing I remember, I'll, I'll call him Sam. Um, the one thing I remember the nurses aides who were trying to keep him alive with whom he was horrifically verbally abusive. They would say the only thing that works with Mr. Sam is his mouth. <laughs> um, because they would, I mean, they, they were keeping him alive. They were keeping mm -hmm. him bathed. They were keeping him fed, but they would have to feed him. They would have to bathe him. They would have to dress him. And he was, well, nobody liked him. A uh, duh. Um, he was really nasty. And of course, I being the music therapist, being the fun therapist, they'd bring him to me for my groups. And um, eventually, I mean, I would do what I do with musical instruments and with singing old songs and whatever. Um, eventually, I could engage him in conversation, found out he had been a welder in life. He mm -hmm. loved his work. He had never married. He had no family. But he loved living independently, going to work going home, getting beer out of the fridge, sitting in front of the TV and going to work the next day. Mm -hmm. He loved it. Well, now he wasn't doing any of that. And he was never alone ever. He had okay. no privacy whatsoever. 
so, I mean, reasonably, he was really unhappy. And mm-hmm. he also seemed to have no experience. He seemed to never have done anything. But <laughs> eventually, I found out that 30 years in that welding shop, he had been playing the radio. This guy had an encyclopedic mind of old popular music. He knew every band, every singer, every, he knew the charts. So I got him leading a musical reminiscing group. Mm-hmm. And with a nurse's aid, he would, we would pick out um, songs that we would play. This was years ago, so it was either vinyl or CDs. And um, he'd pick out you know, a few songs. We'd bring people into a big room, and he'd sit and he'd play a tune that he liked and he would invite the people in the room to talk about the memories that this song brought up okay. and people loved it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he started being interested in other people because they were telling cool stories, sure. many of whom he could relate to. And I'm not going to say it turned him into a nice guy, but it turned him into a nicer guy mm-hmm. and he was less angry and less abusive. And we had a cool activity that other people were enjoying. So that was definitely not a quick fix, but it was a fix. Yep. Yep. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, when your life is in an upheaval in that kind of fashion where everything has changed, it's like, you know, we have to be more compassionate because if that was us, you know, bottom line is how the heck are we going to react? I mean, you know, it's just a really simple thought process, but how the heck are we going to react? And, and wouldn't we like to think that we are, we have every right to react like that. And so taking the time to find out, you know, what was in his life only makes sense. (coughs) You know, it only makes sense. So that, that is wonderful. Um, You know, there's a lot of people out there living alone and Mm -hmm. they have no desire to interact. And and what I found, and I don't know if you see this, but what I found when I was, because I did residential real estate um, for 25 years and my focus was the senior market. And what I found was all of them were holding on to that being fiercely independent. Peace, but what they didn't realize is by staying in their home alone, what they were giving up by by staying there. And then when family would convince them to move, you know, and usually with me being involved, we'd talk about this isn't the last stage, this is another stage, and everybody moves using the same equation. It's to make Uh your life easier. Uh Half Mm -hmm. the time, I couldn't even get a hold of them when I had an offer. I'd have to go through management to track them down because they were socializing. But it happens in such a slow fashion that people forgot that they lost it because they get used to their new normal. And and so do you find that true with... um, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm flashing back to um, a fella, again, in the nursing home, who um, he had been living alone forever and he was now very sick with diabetes and, and in the home and whatever and he wasn't very old but whatever um and i was doing a christmas play which which i had written with them they'd made up the story and obviously and, and then put in you know familiar christmas songs whatever and the one day after rehearsal he was working with everybody and singing and doing his lines whatever and he he said to me you know most christmases i've been alone this is a this is a christmas i'm going to be with other people Wow. And I've never forgotten that. And and since then, I often tell people if they're, oh, I'll never put my mom in a home. I'll never whatever. I'm like, you know, do some do some homework. Look at look into this. It's not so cut and dried by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I hear you big time. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting process out there, trying to keep people engaged. Um, mm-hmm. After you kind of define, you know, in your book, you know, the the parent type. Um, what's what's the next thing for people to do? Well, the next person, the next thing is figure out your relationship to your parent. 
Mm-hmm. No, I have so many, so many, you know, 40 year olds, 50 year olds who will say to me in counseling sessions, they'll say, I, I lived with my mom my whole life. I know her. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true um, because they may be reacting to stuff they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my mom, for one, she was a professional. She was very self-involved. And she she was not a particularly good mother. She did the best she could, but she was not a particularly good mother. And I mean, she, well, she died young. She died of cancer. But even like having to look after her, or you know, whatever, I really resented it because, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, well, she didn't look after me. Why should I look after her? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, and I didn't get that. You know, I just knew I didn't want to do it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to know why. And so we need to understand um, and to become the adult, become the parent to our parent. In some cases, I mean, the parent may have been horrifically abusive. You know, they may really have been horrible to their kids, and now their kids are expected to take care of them in their old age. Yep. And um, I remember in the nursing home of one guy who, he was very affluent. He was actually a private pay patient, which there are hardly any. and he was charming and the staff, we all liked him. His kids wanted nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I remember the one we called uh, his adult son, the social workers did for some kind of treatment, you know, okay. And he just said, I don't want to hear about it. Just do what you think best. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, oh, that's a horrible son. And I'm like, you know, he may be, but we don't know this family history. You know, we yeah. don't know. And we really can't judge. But that son could have, for his own sake, sat back, thought whatever it was that caused him to hate his father so much. I can be bigger than that. I can. I don't have to act to my parent the way my parent acted toward me. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, you know, psychotherapeutic techniques of healing yourself and becoming a happier individual yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding your relationship to your parents and also how, how does your parent see himself? Now, um, in the case of the, uh, the old lady we were talking about, the clutterer who thinks she's totally care of strong and smart and can take care of herself and her adult child knowing that she's none of those things mm-hmm. or the, um, overly demanding parent who thinks that my 40 year old daughter she should be have, you know, 24 hours a day to take care of me, not thinking she's got three kids of her own at home and a husband who might want some attention and, you know, and a job maybe on top of all that. Mm-hmm. So um, how your parent sees themselves, how your parent sees you, how mm-hmm. you see your parent, and how you see yourself. I mean, maybe you, maybe this 40-year-old mom thought, yeah, she was capable of doing taking care of some things for him, but God knows not everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Um, when you wrote this book, um, you know, because of the title, how to have fun with your aging parents, I'm assuming that it's a book specifically for children, but, but on the other hand, I think it could probably be utilized by any family member who is caring for, for... Absolutely, and and non-family members. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been doing presentations for social workers. Um, uh, Mount Sinai Senior Health here in New York just had me uh, present for two different groups of their geriatric social workers, um, helping them to think out of the box. Mm-hmm. What I would love to do is to, and actually someone is trying to get this this book into um, employment packages for nurses' aides. Mm-hmm. Because um, most nurses' aides are wonderfully trained to get the person, the, the, the patient, clean, medicated, fed, period. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day, what do you do? Yeah. Um, and the rest of the day, as far as I'm concerned, is the most important part of the day. Because mm-hmm. that's when you're living. Because all of us, I mean, every day we all take a shower, get dressed, and then we start the day. Mm-hmm. The day isn't just you know, getting clean and getting fed. Um, so yeah, so my book, um, I dearly, dearly hope it will get into the hands of clinicians, of social workers, of creative arts therapists, 
uh, people working in institutions. I know <laughs> when I, I'll never forget my first day working in the nursing home. I had just started my music therapy training. I had never worked with old people. I had been taking care of my dad, so that's why I was interested. Um, I had, and um, I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and they took me into this very attractive big day room, and it was right before Thanksgiving. And they said, they told me that this was the highest functioning group in the nursing home. Mm -hmm. And they were sitting around a table coloring pictures of turkeys. Mm -hmm. So I just said to myself, good God, anything I do is going to be way better than this. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, we were writing radio plays. We were doing shows. We did, we did a variety show every month for, we had a birthday party every month for those that had birthdays. And we were doing, we were doing shows and writing skits and even people with dementia can remember old stories. And we would take real stories from people's lives and make up, have them, put them into skits and Mm -hmm. have people act out the stories. Um, So, um, and I was thinking I had one wonderful, quite quite demented lady who loved to sing. Oh my God, she loved to sing, and she nothing nothing she loved more than coming to rehearsal. That mm-hmm. was her the funnest thing, you know. And after we actually did the show, every day she would say, "When is rehearsal?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would have to say, "Well, Margaret." Um, the show we did the show um so we don't have rehearsal right now we will be doing another show um next month but we don't have rehearsals right now oh okay next day when's rehearsal mm-hmm. um so <laughs> um, but that's so it's so nice when people want to be involved you know they're oh, not yeah. they're not being forced to be involved it's it's their idea um mm-hmm. and that just makes everybody's world a little bit easier you know, when we can be in that, in that frame of mind. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I wish you luck getting that out um, because I, I think, you know, I think the way you've designed the book, again, it's, it's a simple read. Um, you, you talk about in chapter 10, new hobbies and, and getting into old passions, you know, reviving mm-hmm. them. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, as family members, we forget about what somebody really liked to do because they gave it up to maybe care for somebody else right? and, right. you know, put it on the shelf or uh-huh. becoming, um, you know, getting a new hobby and becoming passionate about that. Um, mm-hmm. If it's painting or fishing or singing or, or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. W- yeah. whatever. I, I don't know how much time we have. I just, um, a favorite story, which I would, I do talk about in the book. I had a, a little guy who um, had, had polio. He was very crippled. Um, and he was terribly shy. And I was running a senior center at this point, And he really wouldn't socialize, wouldn't do anything. And um, long story short, I started a band in the mm-hmm. senior center. And he was my drummer. Okay. And oh my God, this guy came to life. He loved it. He loved, again, we did birthday party shows. Every, every month we got a show up. Every mm-hmm. four weeks, good or bad, <laughs> different, we got something on the stage. And this guy, his self-esteem grew so much that he told me he had been um, a jewelry maker, um, costume jewelry, that was his job, mm-hmm. and he wanted to teach a, a class in the senior center. Oh, cool. Well, two years later, this class was, he had like 40 students, they had um, a little store in the center where they were selling their jewelry, making money for the center. Mm-hmm. So because this little guy came and played the drum in the band, he ended up being a big shot at the center, actually earning money and being this big teacher and this very popular guy. Wow. How fun is that? Yeah. How fun is that? Being able just yeah. to share your talents and and yeah. Um, so that's a, that's an old passion that I never knew he had, mm-hmm. um, that he had put away, as you say, and um, and here he was using it for so much good. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you tell us? Um, we've only got about ten minutes left. It always surprises me how fast the show goes. Can, <laughs> can you tell me what advice you'd have for? Um, care partners of of elderly um, who maybe don't have at-home resources available to them. How do you counsel them through about maybe having to place somebody? 
Well, that's very tough and hugely, hugely individual. Um, now, resources, of course, as a music therapist, I offer advice, but then I tell them, you know, you've got to find yourself an elder care social worker or an elder care lawyer, even if you need to get your finances in order. Um, now, in New York, you can often get those for free through the, through the Department of the Aging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know every state is different, but um, the, but that's that's what we do. But um, certainly um, just taking care of an, a spouse on a day-to-day basis, um, there's some kind of just easy things you can do if you think about it. Um, I had a, a couple I was seeing, um, the husband he had slight dementia but he had throat cancer mm-hmm. and the only thing he could only eat uh, pureed foods and his wife was a great cook um, mm-hmm. so she was really good at making soups and you know broths whatever for lunch and dinner but breakfast they always had this huge fight because she couldn't think of anything for breakfast except watery oatmeal or an almost raw egg mm-hmm. and he he wanted something different. He wanted blah, blah, blah. So, you know, so I just sat down with her and we made up this kind of ridiculous menu, but it's, but it had all this stuff listed. It had, it didn't say watery, but they were all had to be watery. It said oatmeal, mm-hmm. cream of wheat, cream of rice, wheatina, multigrain, barley, whatever, what any kind of breakfast cereals we could think of. And there were, you know, half a dozen. And mm-hmm. then underneath it, um, maple syrup, uh, brown sugar, white sugar, uh, raspberry syrup, blueberry syrup. So her husband every day could read down the menu and make his choice. Mm-hmm. And that solved the breakfast traumas. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And it, it seems like, uh, you know, again, a, a duh, but, but you just don't think of it when you're, when you're in the middle of it and, and going crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's why an outside, an outside therapist looking in can be, can be really helpful, especially if it's a creative arts therapist that, uh, that knows no rules and no boundaries. Yep. Well, and that's uh, getting those outside eyes, I think, can be very helpful in a lot of ways, because sometimes we've all been in situations where we've just been so close. You know, we've been too close that we don't, maybe we don't see some of the changes that are happening because it was a, a really gradual slide, but somebody walking in from the outside can go, oh, you've gone from A to D. And somebody's mm-hmm. thinking you're just approaching B, <laughs> you know, and yeah, and you know, being able to point that out and, and help people through yeah, that. Yeah, I remember, remember the first time when my dad didn't recognize me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as this was before any of my training, whatever, I was 27 years old. And I was shocked and horrified and very hurt. Mm-hmm. And of course, now I just tell people, you know, it's going to happen, expect it. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. I mean, expect... I mean, people go the other, I was actually in a counseling session the other day with, with a, a guy who was saying that his mom has become just horrible and abusive and horrible. And anytime he talks to her, she's just so nasty and, and he doesn't know how he's going to handle it. Mm-hmm. So I just said to him, well, you expect that she's going to act like that. He goes, yeah. So I said, okay, expect that she's going to act like that. Yep. Just expect it. And you're not surprised. You're not surprised. And then if she happens to be more pleasant, yep. you're going to be really happy. Yep. Yep. And I could see he just totally relaxed. He just says, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That really makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Something so, so simple. But we, mm-hmm. we overlook the obvious sometimes because we're, we're so focused on trying to change somebody. And, that's and just, we won't. Yeah. We won't. Yeah. And so, so we can change. Yeah. They won't. Yeah, and it's just getting, I think, to that level of acceptance too, of this is this is the new life, um, and our new life is always changing. Even before oh, yeah. dementia hit, there's there's oh, yeah. been there's been rough bumps for all of us, um, where it's like, well, I, I didn't see that one coming, or that's not how I planned it out to be, or you know, <laughs> that's that's just life, and so mm-hmm. dementia is just one of those one of those other other bumps in the road there. Uh, in wrapping up, can you tell our audience a little bit about being a music therapist and, and working with the elderly and, 
you know, what are sure. some of the... I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel so blessed um, having this, you know, music because it's so, so <laughs> powerful mm-hmm. um, in ways that you would never think of. Um, I remember one day working with a woman in a wheelchair who had had terrible strokes and she was very crippled up. And, uh, but I found out that she had been an, a figure skater in her youth. Mm-hmm. And I was having a one-on-one session with her and I was, had a little organ in front of me and I was trying to remember the skater's waltz and, and I couldn't remember it. And I was playing other waltzes and she was moving in her chair. And I finally remembered the skater's waltz. La, 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 la. And she burst into his hysterical sobbing and I felt like such a heel I I thought I had done something horrible to Mm -hmm. this poor woman well uh, I have anyway I beat myself up all that I don't think I slept that night I thought what have I done to this woman I have been so cruel anyway the next day I come into the senior center and there are people crowded around one of the dining tables and she brought in her scrapbooks Mm-hmm. from when she had been a figure skater and she was showing off all the pictures <laughs> which no one else ever knew that she had been a figure skater no one knew that she had this beautiful artistic history mm-hmm. and now she had you know 50 people ooing and aahing and and telling her how wonderful she was and she was just beaming and feeling so proud and she called me over of course to show me all these beautiful beautiful pictures and had i not basically made her cry and had that breakthrough through the skater's waltz through the simple music she never would have had this breakthrough and be able to enjoy and appreciate the beautiful artist that she had once been yep yep wow how cool is that yeah you just you don't know And, and with music i mean it can it can pick people up or it could trigger sadness too if there's a and that's and that's okay. I mean, you, will, you you could never take for granted that a song is going to make somebody happy or sad because I mean, if if a very happy song happened to be playing when you got into a car crash, that song is never going to be a happy song for you again. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, letting people. I have a whole chapter about shedding healthy tears and letting people cry. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid to cry yourself. And to let people cry. I actually a caregiver who was staying with my husband the other day. She said she was, she was hiding her. She got all all upset and she was, you know, hiding her tears. And I said, no, let him see you cry. Mm-hmm. Let him see that you're upset. You know, um, and and you know when I need to, I cry. When he needs to, he cries. And then you just pick yourself up and go on. But if you if you hold it inside, you're just going to give yourself a stroke, and that's not going to help anybody. <laughs> no, no, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I, yeah, I'm a firm believer that we have to feel our emotions to push through them. Otherwise, we're just stuffing them and hiding them, and then they're going to come out sideways. And yeah, they're yeah. going to come out somehow. Yeah, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, this has been a really excuse me. I'm going to have to go off here. <clears throat> a really interesting sure. um, conversation. Any any last tips that you'd like to share with? With our audience? Well, I guess just what I consider my three truths, that if you get these, you're kind of going to be okay. The first one is your parents' personality. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, you know, the, the dysfunctional parent types. Mm-hmm. And then your relationship to your parents. Why are you reacting the way you are? If your parent was wonderful and nurturing, of course you're going to be wonderful and nurturing back again. If your parent was not nurturing, you may see yourself acting like a real bitch and you may not like yourself. Uh, So just figure that out. And then figuring out what your parent needs to feel validated and whole. Mm -hmm. I mean, does your parent, in this case, my my parent being my my patient, um, did she need to hear that music and cry in order to let herself remember and show off the, be brave enough to show off the beautiful pictures of who she had been in her youth? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, are great, great tips. Again, I would recommend uh, people pick up the book, How to Have Fun with Your Aging Parents by Christina Britton Conroy. And what's the best way for them to get this? Is it off your website or can they get it off Amazon? Uh, either. Either. 
Okay. Um, sure, or directly from the publisher. If if they actually have a bookstore in town, the bookstore will probably not have it on the shelf, but they can order it. Mm-hmm. So sure, sure, any of those, any of those easy, usual ways. Okay, great. And you are also on LinkedIn. Uh, people can hook up with you there. If they're... I certainly am. I'm on everything. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. And and yeah, and I love to love to hear from new people. So that would mm-hmm. be fun. Okay, and your Twitter handle is Chris Britt Conroy. Chris you got it. Yeah. Britt Conroy is her mm-hmm. Twitter handle. And um, mm-hmm. for Facebook, is it your just your full name, Christina Britton? Sure, yeah. Conroy, okay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, again, as is my website, yeah. Yeah, so main website is Christina Britton Conroy. We have that on the, on the homepage as well. Um, and is there a phone number that you would like to give people or an email address or just contact you through no. the website? Um, well, my email address, absolutely. It's C Conroy, C-C-O-N-R-O-Y-N-Y-C, that's where I live, at gmail.com. She'll be very happy to get um, to get um, emails. Again, C-C-O-N-R-O-Y-N-Y-C at gmail.com. And they can also send me a message via the website. Um, and then when I get back to them, um, you know, we may, you know, uh, we may talk by phone, but I, but I like to do it um, by, by email or Twitter or whatever first, yeah. virtually okay. first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Well, thank you so much for, for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Well, and thanks. I, I'm always you know, amazed when I have a music therapist on that because the amount of energy you 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 women and it's typically women that I've that I've had on the show um, as music therapists are so full of energy and so full of life. I don't know if you know Becky Watson at all, um, but she's I know our, of her. Yeah, sure. She's yeah. our music therapist on the cruise and just a bubble of energy, and I can feel your energy as well, and I wish you the best of luck with your Well, thank you, and thank you for all, for everything you do, because it's awesome. It's just, just, we need it, and you're there, and thank you for being there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Um, I am going to go ahead and wrap up the show, and just again, uh, say thank you for everyone for listening. Please uh, like Alzheimer's Speaks uh, on Blog Talk Radio as well as our website and Facebook pages. You can connect with me as well on LinkedIn at just look up Lori LeBay, um, or you can just uh, see all the social connections to at the top of our of the top of our website as well. But we would very much appreciate you sharing uh, sharing this. Uh, podcast with everyone else because uh, it's just filled with great information and uh, a couple last shout outs I'll give to uh, the caregiver alert center which is now called actually the call alert center but there is a, a section specific for caregivers uh, there's one for children there's one for college students there's one for people internationally traveling but it's just a way in case somebody goes missing that you can protect your loved one and get notifications out via social media um, within 10 minutes. And they work hand in hand with the police. It's a pretty fabulous, um, pretty fabulous uh, tool to be able to add into a situation like that. Don't forget to check out the American Senior Magazine and also the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. I wish you all a blessed holiday season, and we will talk to you all soon. Bye now. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.